Well, on today's episode, I'm joined by Stephanie Souza, um, who recently joined a new stealth um, stealth mode life science company uh, as senior vice president of operations, I believe, or at All least right. the previous. There we go. Um, Stephanie's worked uh, in life sciences her whole career um, for various well-known firms in greater Boston, to name a few, um, Novartis, Agios, um, and now the Stealth Mode Company. So, um, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining today. Thanks for having me, Dave. It's great to be here. We appreciate it. Um, I thought uh, for today's conversation, given your experience in operations for, for various firms, um, it'd be a, just a great opportunity to hear your path, um, what led you to where you are, and just sharing some of your experiences along the way. Um, working for a company like Novartis and then transitioning to a smaller but not small firm and now an even smaller firm. I'm, I imagine there are tons of uh, different roles and responsibilities that come with it um, and wearing different hats. So I figured we just kick things off and, and start from the very beginning basics on how you got into life sciences and if you always knew you wanted to work in this industry. Yeah, yeah, that, um, sounds great. Um, I think the the how I ended up in life sciences was a bit serendipitous. I always had a passion for science and math as a young girl. Um, and I had a father who really encouraged me to pursue that. Um, at one point, I said, I think I want to go into business. And he was like, absolutely not. You follow that passion for science and math. So I contribute um, that kind of um, encouragement at a young age of being inquisitive. Um, you know, I was really involved with nature, loved being outdoors. Um, and love just learning and asking questions. And so I received my undergrad um, in chemistry. Um, I went to Merrimack College and um, kind of loved my time at Merrimack. Um, and then after undergrad, um, was really unsure of what I wanted to do um, with that, um, whether I wanted to go into more of a chemical engineering or synthetic chemistry. I took some classes on um, uh, synthetic chemistry, medicinal chemistry, pharmacology, realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, and I had a friend of mine who actually said, come join me at a, a company called Genetics Institute, which is now Wyeth, which got bought out by Pfizer. Um, and I started my career as a bench scientist at that time and um, loved it. And then from bench scientist, how, how'd you transition into operations or what motivated you to do that? And was that at that first job or did, was that at when you joined Novartis later on? So I was from Genetics Institute. I went to Millennium, um, which again was in a great, great experience. I was um, still at the bench, but um, really thinking of um, how do I stay close to the science, but not actually um, doing the science. Um, um, so at my time at Millennium, I, I was enrolled in an MBA program um, and Millennium was fantastic. They let me do some um, So you did follow the business, the business path to some degree with the MBA. Yes, I did. Yes. <laughs> yes, it did come around. Um, 
And I um, did some internships in finance and investor relations, wasn't still quite sure of what I wanted to do. And at that time, I got introduced to um, Scott Biller, who um, had just joined Novartis. He was forming a global chemistry organization. Um, and he needed some help in establishing this function. Um, at the time, it was about 300 chemists across seven sites. Um, and I loved the kind of diversity of the role. I loved the chemistry um, team itself and um, really wanted to work uh, with Scott in this. Was the, did the bench, being a bench scientist before, did that help with that new role? It, um, it did in terms of credibility and um, so having some credibility to start with. It also helped in really, I, I came from a position of um, science is hard. Um, oftentimes you fail um, and it was how do you support the researchers and in this case the, the chemists doing the chemistry so that they don't have to get bogged down in everything else um, because it's hard enough. And then so you started at, for the global Chem discovery chemistry group and then how did your role and career evolve and, and take form at Novartis? I, I know you you led a couple different um, jobs, like director of scientific operations, global head, I believe, of scientific operations. So how was that experience? Yeah. So what I loved about chemistry when I was in the chemistry organization, I was really going deep into supporting just the chemistry organization. And after um, I think it was close to seven years, I wanted some exposure to the rest of NIBR, to the rest of the research organization. And that kind of was the driver for my move into a function called scientific operations. And I was doing a similar role, um, just from a different perspective um, in um, who I was supporting. Um, and then after a couple of years in that role, I was asked to lead the function. Um, which is incredible. It was 320 people across the globe. Um, and the role ranged from um, being responsible for some of the animal facilities to some of the contracting and the MTAs and the CDAs to the lab support and the lab services. And during that time, we built um, we were involved in building um, some of the buildings in, in the Basel campus, Basel, Switzerland, and the Cambridge campus in Shanghai, um, and it was just an incredible experience. Did you, did you travel a bunch to each of the locations? Yeah, yeah, especially at the beginning, um, because meeting people, really understanding there's such um, differences, not only from a culture perspective, but such differences on how each site works and operates. And it's really understanding those. Um, it's building relationships with the people. So um, really enjoyed that, um, the dynamics of leading a global organization. And then, at, so you then transitioned to Agios. So talk to us a little bit about that transition, because obviously Novartis is one of the largest pharma companies in the world. And then Agios is not small, but how large was Agios at the time that you joined? And I imagine it was a totally different um, experience, but probably had a bunch of pros and cons to it. And you probably had a lot of 
different um, roles to, to be in charge of there as the VP of facilities operations. Yeah, yeah. So my driver for um, leaving Novartis at Nibra at the time was I really wanted to be involved in building something again. Um, and um, when I joined Agios, um, they had just had uh, approval of Tipsovo. Um, they were growing, they were building out the European um, market. Um, and they needed, um, they wanted somebody to come in and really help um, be involved in the workplace strategy, um, which is something that I had not done um, directly at Novartis, um, but wanted to be part of that building again. Um, I also wanted, I mean, Agios is known for its incredible culture, um, really focused on the employees, and I wanted to experience um, that type of environment and be involved in that type of environment. Um, so those were the, the two main drivers. What, what made the culture so, so good at Agios, just obviously knowing how important it is and competitive it is in the life science market in Cambridge to attract and retain talent? Just curious what... Uh, what the magic sauce was. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know, I don't think there's probably one thing. I think um, there's probably a multitude of, of aspects to this. I think one, one piece is just the people. The people were amazing. They really um, had committed to as an organization of making sure that um, bringing in people um, that was really adding to the culture um, and not leading with an ego first. And that really resonated with me and was true throughout the entire organization. Um, and then it was this focus on, um, on employees. Um, they really cared about employees. Um, we cared about each other and it was, um, there was many times when employees were asked to provide feedback or in my case involved in some of the lab and some of the building design and i thought that was amazing um, because um, employees had such a such a strong voice at agios and really helped drive decisions at agios for such a growing company and, and being involved in the building design and all the lab build outs how, how was that to did you have to plan for flexibility depending on where Agios, what science Agios grew into, or how was that designing labs? And was it taking on smaller spaces and then larger spaces to grow into it? Or how was that experience? Yeah, I think there's probably a couple of components to that. One was um, bringing in as much optionality as we possibly could in a really tight real estate market. Um, and so that was one strategy. Um, and then it was also in terms of like the lab design, trying to build as much flexibility um, without overdoing flexibility um, in the lab. And again, it's really bringing in the end users to say, this is where we are today, but we're also designing and building for where we want to be in the next three to five years. Um, so, um, let's talk about potential, what could potentially be on the table for, um, the future. How much of the science did you have to understand as you're building out the lab facilities, or is it just kind of coordinating with the end users and, and being the middleman of putting that to the actual design? 
Yeah, I don't think it's it's necessarily like I definitely was not doing the science. Definitely um, not a, a, a expert. I think part of this was to um, a way to help pull out the key components and help think through what are the key um, drivers and the key requirements here um, and um, talk about risk, um, talk about um, what were kind of some showstoppers. Um, so it was just really being able to um, work with the end users and the scientists to be able to articulate that. And so after Agios, what kind of what came next and what led to the next transition? Yeah, so um, I've recently joined, as you shared, a stealth company. Um, and that was really driven from a time of, um, so we went through um, incredible time at Agios. Um, we had also um, COVID hit <laughs> um, and was a, a unique experience um, all on its own. Um, it, it was again kind of getting back to that desire to build and desire to kind of be involved in an earlier stage. Um, I didn't think that I wanted to go this early. We're about 20 people right now. Um, but over the past couple of months, it's been an incredible experience of, um, you know, both like thinking through where do we want to be in the next six months to a year, but then really coming back to today and rolling up my sleeves and saying, what do we need to do today? Um, and I love that mix of forward thinking strategy and then very practical, what do we need to do um, to be able to implement, to be able to support the science to get to that point. Does, the, does your department or kind of your department structure, is it different working at such an earlier stage company compared to Agios? Obviously, I assume Novartis as well, but how, how does that look from your end? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Because <laughs> I'm from a GNA perspective, um, there's one other person in myself. Um, so okay. we're, we're uh, lean and mean. Um, and Imagine it, it, that wasn't the case earlier on. No, no, no. So it's gone from a, a team of 320 people to a team of two, which has been just as incredible. Um, and we'll we'll build the the function um, to support the the research um but i love the connections and getting back to how to support the basic research that's going on and how to um, really work um in step with uh, these incredible scientists did you mentioned covid not to harp on the subject that anyone's been talking about for the past two years did it is that did that impact kind of how you think about lab how life science companies operate or at least in your experience and do you think that's a or that was a shorter term um adjustment or do you think longer term implications as well um i think there's some learnings that we can take from there you know i think this is where um the lab-based researchers are kind of the forefront of this, you know, even when I was at Agios, they still needed to come in um, to do their work. They couldn't do their work remotely. Not only could they do not do it, they they wanted to be in the lab. That's that's where their passion was. Um, so my 
focus for that when I was at Agios was really, and this like stemmed from the top at Agios was um, how to support them and making sure that they're safe and um, and heard and supported as they had no choice, but they had to come on site. And I think this it's similar here as um, we're lab-based, majority of um, the team members come in on a regular basis. I think what's different is there's a lot of flexibility now built into how we work. And so um, people can do read their papers at home or do their analysis at home or somewhere else. Um, and I think that's an amazing thing um, because it's a way to balance um, um, have a better balance. Um, we're running up on time, but just out of curiosity, did you always think that you were going to, or did you always have that itch to build an earlier stage company or did that just come organically as you were at earlier on in your career? Yeah, I would say uh, very typical to my entire career. It just kind of came organically. Um, I actually thought that I would never want to be at this stage company. And I've learned never to say never because it's um, been an incredible experience and very, very grateful and fortunate to have this opportunity. Was it through relationships that you had built that you developed relationships for the next role? at the next company along the way? Yes, yes. I mean, this is where it's through relationships, it's through incredible mentors um, um, to, to also encourage you to say, you can do this um, and um, you need to give it a shot, um, which um, was incredible. Wow. All right, well, thank you so much, Stephanie. I think thank uh, you, Dave. the conversation was great. So I appreciate your time and, and uh, for all the listeners. Stephanie Souza, Stealth Company, coming to you soon.